Stanford, the tree is useless. It's a tree. Wow. It's a tree. It's useless. I don't like Stanford. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. And welcome into the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports podcast. I am Leela McRae. We have Joe Deck like normal and a little different this week. We're going to bring Cody Elliott on right with us because high school football is our number one topic and that's what we have him here for. Cody, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. No problem, guys. So we were all at the Gap East Rock game Friday and man, East Rock looked dominant. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't think anyone can say they expected that. Um, you know, obviously that was East Rock's uh, closest game in the regular season. Um, they win by a touchdown down in Swope and then, um, you know, I, I think, uh, they kind of came out and they wanted to send a little bit of a statement. Um, and they did that, uh, 51 first half points. That was about as dominating of a performance as I've seen this season. Um, you know, each week, uh, I've, I've been kind of waiting for East Rock to have a slip up and it seems like they've just gotten better and better each week. Yeah. Cody, uh, in that game, East Rock really just couldn't be stopped. I mean, Evans had a big night. Uh, Williams was nearly perfect. Uh, I think his only incomplete pass was actually a drop ball. Uh, that was his last pass, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. This team Seven, is good. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, seeing East Rock, it's, it seemed to me, you know, like maybe they're starting to peak at the right time, and what a time to do that with Central coming up, another very good team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, like I said, I've been kind of waiting on them to have a slip up. Um, but it seems like you know, ever since that regular season game against Gap, um, they've just kind of been on a roll here. Um. Jay Watt has looked better and better each week. Um, I mean, against Gap, he had, I think, eight touches for 220 yards. Um, you know, and it just – it seemed like every time they touched it that night, um, it was, you know, I think a total time of possession that was four minutes there. Um, you know, so their offense is just clicking. And, uh, you know, Dylan Williams, he just kind of sits back there and does his job. Um, you know, Donnie Coleman talked afterwards about his arm and – you know, he's not going to blow you away with the strength of his arm or, you know, he's not going to win any combat competitions. But, um, you know, he, he just sits back there and gets the job done. And when you've got that many good athletes around him, you know, when he's doing that, it's, they're going to be pretty hard to stop. You know, looking at Central Woodstock, who they have this week, and this this was the region championship. I think, you know, all three of us pretty much agreed that was <laughs> we were destined mm-hmm. for back in August, early September. You know, it's easy to talk about Kyle Clanton, his 1,100 yards and what he can do. And, I mean, he's the kid that scored two touchdowns, you know, 50-plus-yard touchdowns against Riverheads. But, you know, they got Shane Watson, a 1,000-yard running back. They got, uh, you know, Noah Williams, other guys that can produce. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just just talking offensively for Central, Cody, talk about what East Rock defensively is going to have to do and who the top performers on defense are going to have to be. Yeah, well, I, th- I think um, this is probably going to be their biggest challenge yet in terms of the, the offenses they faced. Um, it's obviously something different. Um, you know, they're used to the, the run games of the Shenandoah District throughout the regular season. Um, then they've played two Shenandoah District teams in the first two rounds of regional, so they haven't really seen anybody else yet. Um, so, this, the, yeah, you said it. They've got a lot of weapons, you know. Um, they've got a good run game. Their quarterback's an experienced guy. He's been there for several years. Yeah, Zeb Dyer, um, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I think this is going to be a huge challenge for them. And, um, you know, that East Rock defense, you know, it's been it's been very strong all year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they kind of handle this. Uh, a little bit change where, you know, and a little bit more speed than, they, than they've seen, you know, in the Shenandoah district. Um, I, I think it's fair to say this is definitely their biggest challenge yet. I would also say, you know, most years, 
especially like last year, you would look, you would maybe compare the Lee game or something where, you know, Lee had a bunch of different weapons all over the field, but not even like Lee was really, you know, two dimensional. It was was all going through two players. So you really can't even draw from that. Do you think that, you know, lack of experience against a a spread off, you know, where they're going to come at you from different angles. you think that's kind of a hindrance on them this year? Is that something you're going to draw from? Or do you think they have the weapons it takes to hold up against anybody? Well, and that's when I when I spoke earlier about kind of waiting for them to have a let letdown was is is not because I I don't think that they have a good enough team, but you know they they aren't they aren't exactly experienced at this stage of the season. They've never played for a regional t- title. Um, they've only made it past the second round one other time. That was in 2016 when they lost to Storch Draft. So and that was the different system where they it still wasn't a region final. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know they they don't they haven't been on this stage yet and. and you know, like you said, they're facing a new offense. They're facing a team that they, they aren't familiar with at all. Um, you know, that's what's going to be interesting to me, uh, how, how they respond to that, not only just the stage, but, you know, there's so many different elements to go into this and, and whether they can, you know, adjust quickly enough, um, you know, we'll be seeing. But I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I think that uh, the, the, this is shaping up to be, a, you know, a 30-, 40-point uh, shootout-type game. Well, I think that's an interesting thing because, you know, we, we've been talking about East Rock hasn't played a team like Central yet this year, but I think the same could be said for Central. I don't think Central's seen a team that can pass the ball as well as East Rock or run the ball as mm-hmm. well as East Rock even. And, you know, I I guess just in my mind, seeing both teams, I, I think East Rock is faster. I think they have more speed. I think, you know, maybe Central's tougher at the line. Maybe maybe that's where this game gets decided. But I think if it comes down to passing games, I, I like East Rocks better than Central, even with Clanton on the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I actually did a story that, that'll be in tomorrow's paper tonight. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, Darius Brown for East Rock gets a lot of the attention at receiver, and you know, for good reason. He's he's an All State performer. He's been great, but uh, you know, one of the biggest keys for them is some of the other guys around him that have kind of stepped up. Um, you know, Tyce McNair, uh, the younger brother of Jalen McNair, the, the former quarterback. Um, you know, he's the backup quarterback, but he's kind of coming into his own a little bit as a as wide receiver. He had two uh, touchdown catches against Gap. He's kind of coming into his own. And I know the coaching staff's really, really high on him as an athlete um, in general in the school. Um, and then you got Isaac Kissling over there. He's 6'3", 175. And, you know, he, he's a guy who can just go up top, over top the corners and, and get past it. So that's that's been one thing I think that's been key for Dylan Williams, too, is you know, not just Darius stepping up. Some of those other receivers around him are, are doing really well, too. One of the points I made towards the end of that game was, you know, East Rock has a very good defense, and, man, they're explosive on offense. But, you know, coming to that stadium on Friday night, everybody knew Carter Rivenberg was going to get a lot of carries, a lot of touches, and he mm-hmm. did, and he still put up 300 yards. Credit to East Rock. They chased him down and pushed him out of bounds and didn't let him get to the end zone, and that's what kept it a blowout game. But – when you're going into a game with Central Woodstock, who is going to get the ball to Kyle Clanton one way or the other, and mm-hmm. they have Shane Watson, who's a very capable running back, I wonder about their, you know, tendency to give up a big play and and not be able to, you know, circle a guy on a, a play sheet and say we got to stop him. You know, that's just a thought. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I spoke about that during the game as well. Um, you know, they, they were fortunate enough that. They were able to catch Rivenberg a lot of times on those runs that he got. Um, you know, he'd get through the hole and he'd have a lot of running room. And, you know, he didn't quite have that breakaway speed that maybe Evans does or, or, you know, some of those guys. But, you know, when they're playing central, that might change. You know, some of yeah. those guys are a little faster, a little quicker. 
And, you know, if they get past that first layer of the defense, um, you know, it might not be as simple as chasing them down and pushing them out of bounds. Like you said, uh, you know, the central has a little bit more speed than gap, obviously. And they've got a little, a couple more weapons than gap does, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that defense bounces back. Cause yeah, you're right. I mean, three, 333 yards, um, you know, they, they did what they wanted to do. They knew he was going to get a lot of carries, like you said, but you know, that's not a good number, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> All right, I'll go first in this, kind of throwing a prediction out there. But, you know, I've seen Central play this year. I've seen East Rock play a couple times, and I saw them play their not their best game and, and maybe their most efficient game offensively. Mm-hmm. I, something, I just, looking at the weapons, looking on paper, and then also the gut feeling, I just have East Rock winning by multiple scores. May, you know, maybe not four scores by any means, but it just seems like a two-touchdown game to me in East Rock's favor just because – they're so solid everywhere, and I can find the weaknesses on Central. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, East Rock is, is the favorite, um, and that's that's probably where I would lean as well. Um, you know, you've seen Central more than I have. Um, I've simply – I haven't got to see them this year. I've simply, you know, had to read and kind of just going by what I've heard and comparing scores and such. But, um, you know, that team last year was – was a good team, um, was a really good team, and uh, Lee, Lee was able to beat them. Um, I think this game, like I said, I'll be interested to see how the East Rock players kind of handle this stage, handle this game. Um, but I think it's a close game throughout, and then I think I, I think East Rock pulls away late, uh, maybe you know a 10-point game by the end. That's interesting. Uh, I, I guess since we're doing predictions. Um, yeah, I want to uh, hear it, Joe. I don't think this is going to be close. I, I Central couldn't keep up with Riverhead's running backs. How are they going to stop an Evans? I I don't think this is close. And Riverheads can't pass. So I think when you bring Williams into the mix, I think East Rock rolls Central, and I think the Central Falcons get whooped in this game. Okay. Wow. There we go. <laughs> we all have East Rock. We just have them all kind of three different ways. <laughs> Let's move on to the other playoff game. People in uh, Augusta County are going to – obviously care about riverheads you know they whooped up on alta vista last week now they get william campbell it's interesting william campbell and riverheads history riverheads has only beat william campbell twice uh ever they're two and five against him william campbell kind of owned riverheads there um there was a uh 2006 on riverheads is weighted state championship it was a miracle finish that riverheads got a big play uh for some reason uh, uh, excuse me, William Campbell fumbled the ball when they should have probably been kneeling the ball and Riverheads got the ball scored and then, you know, got, got the win when it was highly like unlikely that they would. And then the only other win was last year when Riverheads took care of business uh, in the, in the playoffs in this game last year in the region B championship, Cody, I know you're not following Riverheads as closely this year, but you know what they are. Hey, they're no different than what you've seen while yeah. you were covering them. Uh, what are some of your thoughts going into this ball game? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, they they have a history with each other, like you said. Um, I, but, you know, it, it's funny. I think that East Rock game that River has lost early in the season, you know, everybody points to that game as, you know, as, as kind of the mutual thing. I know when, I, when we look at the Central, looking at Central, we kind of talk about East Rock and, you know, Riverheads beat them, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think that Riverheads now is the same team that, you know, came to Elkton back in September. Um, you know, their, their offense is rolling. Uh, the, in the defense is, is something, you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot because of how, how ridiculous their offensive numbers are, but the defense is extremely, extremely strong. 
getting better um, and better yeah 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 and I, you know i was i always look back to uh, a conversation i had with robert castor last year when i was covering the team regularly and he always talked about how last year wasn't even supposed to be the year this was supposed to be the year for them and um you know i think that's what you're seeing as the season has progressed i mean they 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 just don't look like they're going to be stopped and you know i don't i don't think this game is going to be particularly close on friday night yeah, I mean, I went and watched him play Saturday, and coming off Friday, seeing how efficient that offense moved uh, for East Rock against Buffalo Gap, I mean, it 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 put a battle up to it the next day with Riverhead's offense. Ooh. Now, I think the the opponent was much less on Saturday for Riverheads than it was for East Rock on Friday. I mean, I think Gap, uh, I think Gap didn't put up too much of a fight, but mm-hmm. I think they were more capable than what Alta Vista could be. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I don't think it'll be that that close of a ball game we're going to be at it for radio um but i think um it'll be a lot of early talk about the past in this history and then riverheads are is going to impose their will joe what do you got uh yeah i just don't see william campbell being around when this game is in the fourth quarter um i hope i'm wrong i hope it's a good game but i i just think riverheads is too good i I thought uh cody brought up a good point uh, this is a different team than when they lost to East Rock. This defense is playing better. The offense is playing better. And I don't think William Campbell has seen anything remotely close to what Riverheads is talent-wise. I think what I always like in these playoff games is you get these teams that obviously let their kids talk to the uh, to the news. And um, <laughs> this week there's a newspaper article following the game last week when they beat Central Lundberg. And, and you know, it ends with a paragraph talking to their best player saying, yeah, we want to go to Stanton. We want to go get revenge on Riverheads. It's just a reminder <laughs> of why Coach Casto doesn't let his players talk to the media. And people are like, well, what, you, what will they say? The thing is, kids at Riverheads probably would say worse things than what these kids are probably saying yeah. about Riverheads. So, like, I just always – I mean, I grew up in the system, so it's easy for me to agree to it. And honestly, we're not asking players to talk very often, so it's not, it doesn't get in my way, but I just always, man, man, I'm glad Coach Castor doesn't let kids talk to the media. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, kind of, it reminds me of last year when they played in S, at Essex. Um, I think they ended up playing at Middlesex, but they played yeah. Essex in the playoffs, and I went down there for that game, and um, there was some stuff like that going on in the papers before that game, and then, um, you know, afterwards, even, I, I just remember walking up to, the, to my car and, you know, hearing the fans and, they were just so mad. And how do we lose to this team? Because you know, you look at Riverheads, and they don't necessarily blow you away with the size of their 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 physical. You know, their line isn't necessarily going to be huge. Their their running backs don't they don't look like five star athletes when they walk in. But you know, Riverheads just comes in there and takes care of business, and, and it just kind of left you know that that whole fan base. They were just you know they were angry because they just didn't understand what had just happened. And you know, like you said, I just. You know, Riverheads is is on a completely different level, in my opinion, right now, and I don't particularly see them, you know, even getting close to challenge until possibly maybe the state championship game, and I don't even know if if that'll be close. So, um, yeah, you know, they're just they're rolling right now. Um, You know, they've got a lot of talent across that roster, and like I said, the defense is good. The offense is in a different spot than it was beginning year. So, I think they're you know I think they're shaping up for another state title. All right, moving out of high school, and I'm going to let you get a word in before Joe goes off. I mean, none of us are happy with what's going on with tech football. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, we know that. Uh, we can put that out there. Joe's going to go off on a worse rant, but Cody, just generally, what what's your reaction, thoughts to um, our offense, our defense, and <laughs> all the losses that are mounting up? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, coming into the year, I knew um, – 
I didn't really have high expectations, even after the the season opening win over Ford State. I didn't I didn't particularly think that we had a team that was you know a nine ten win team. But I, I said that if you know if we could get seven or eight out of this group, I'd I'd be okay with that. And, but you know I think the most disheartening thing is just the way the losses are happening now. Um, you know if if it was one or two point losses at the end of these games, and you know with a young team, I would understand. But I mean, when when we're getting blown out by 30, 40 points each week, you know, consistently, I think that's just that's the most disheartening part about it, and the, and the part that's the most frustrating and, and hard to understand what what's happening, um, you know. And then of course now in the in the past twenty four hours, a couple more players have transferred. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not sure what exactly is going on. Um, I'm not sure what changes are needed, but I know something needs to change um, because you know what's happening right now is something you know. I've, I'm 27 years old, and I've never seen Virginia Tech football like this. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really tough to watch right now. All right, Joe. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I have a theory on what's happening at Virginia Tech, and Leland's not going to like it. The, the theory is Justin Fuente's getting his way, and Justin Fuente is not very good. Uh, I think maybe after the first year when he was there, he had a lot of Frank Beamer's players, which, again, I said this last week, I – Full heartedly stand behind it again. I think Frank Beamer was one hell of a recruiter. There at the end, he just couldn't get him coached up. Fuente mm-hmm. came in, he coached him up that first year, and and now he's more of his players come in, and we're not coaching him up. And you know what? Maybe I was wrong about Fuente too. Maybe he's not even a good coach because you look at these second half numbers. Notre Dame game, we we're down three points going into the locker room at halftime. We get trucked in the second half. Mm-hmm. You look at the North Carolina game. That's a game you're lucky as sin that you won because you were one yard away from losing that game. Uh, and then you had to have a miracle drive from Ryan Willis, which hats off, they did it, and they won the game. You look at the Georgia Tech game. You enter that game down a touchdown. You get trucked in the second half. Boston College, you go in with a lead. You're up a touchdown. You get trucked in the second half. You look at the Pitt game. That was never a game. So you, you got killed from the kickoff, I guess. Good news. Um, and then the Miami game, you give up a touchdown late, so but you're still very much in the ball game at halftime. It's a one-score game, and then in, you get shut out twenty-one nothing in the third quarter. I mean, we're not good this year. I, there's no argument I can make. Well, why? Joe, why that, is? Like, why are we good in the first half, and then in the second half, it's just like we we never figure it out. Is it because Fuente's not adjusting? Are are we getting outcoached every game? I think. I mean, I think easily that an answer there is we are so thin. We have our defense is is decimated. So us giving up points is, I think, more excusable to that point that we are. We're just so thin. We don't have subs with any experience coming in. We, you know, you look at the opening night rosters for the Florida State game and you put them side by side for offense and defense. And the defense just has red lines everywhere for guys that are gone. The guys are not available to the team right now. So hurt and, and kicked off and whatever. So I think defensively, why we're giving up so many points in the second half is we're doing better in the first half sometimes because we have a good game plan and we have we're we're not we have we don't we're not tired 
And the second half, we get tired and we give up points. My bigger problem is offense. You know, we all got sold on Justin Fuente and what the offense would be. And it it would be, you know, a little more high flying and more points. And yeah, we're not going to just no huddle to spite ourselves, you know, and, and keep our defense on the field the entire game, but still an up-tempo and, and more creative offense. And I'm, that's what we're not seeing. And so when we talk about what changes need to happen, I'm looking on the offensive side of the ball very much so first. I know our defense hasn't been good, but I think just with roster stuff, you can start to explain it. And I think Bud Foster has earned a little credibility and a little slack there to have another shot at that. But offensively with Coralson on offense, I, I just think that's probably an area we really need to address to either give him a lot more weapons and coaches or just get a different guy in there making it happen because – I am not one that's saying Fuente has got to go by any means because I think that's really just just shooting really quickly. But I do think major signifying changes need to happen to make this fan base calm down a little bit because they're about to see something that hasn't happened in 25 years. And what it, a way to it, honor Frank Beamer. Yeah, but you're it's it's funny how fact, how quick you go back to crediting Beamer after you just slam him for the first six weeks of our podcast. But I mean that's where <laughs> I'm kind of at with offensively is my focus defense. I think we can have some excuses, but offense is really where we got to make some changes. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I actually agree a lot with what you just said, Leland. Um, you know, I, I, I'm with you and I think, you know, the defense is what's been going on. There is obviously not, not been great, but it, they are a young team with a lot of injuries. And I think, like you said, Foster can kind of deserves, you know, I don't think, I don't think you can just throw, throw them out, you know, that quickly because of one season. Um, and I'm with you, too. I don't think it's necessarily time to just call it quits on Fuente, but I do think that, like you said, there needs to be some changes. I would point to Cornelson. Um, some kind of changes within the staff um, this offseason. Like you said, just to simply give fans hope again because if they don't make any changes and, and you know, we're, we're going back in with the same staff, I'm not sure, you know, until we see something better on the field, you know, I don't I don't think there's any reason to be excited after what we've seen this year. Okay. Um you talked about offense. I agree with you, Leland. I, d- I think the defense gets tired because the offense is non-existent in the second half. The Notre yeah, Dame we're game, three and out in five th- times in a row. Yeah, Notre Dame game, seven points in the second half. I mean, uh, the Notre Dame game is just hard for me to keep going back to because they are a significantly better team than us. I mean, it was a great game as- in that first half. Then something happened. The, the locker room happened. Coaching happened. Uh, seven points against Georgia Tech in this. And that wasn't until the fourth quarter when the game Georgia was over. Georgia Tech and Pitt and even Miami, those are the games I like to focus on. When Boston I'm College, seven points in the second half. I think half. they're better than us. <laughs> Pitt, Pitt was an offensive explosion in the second half with 15 points. But again, all that came when the game was over. And then you got shut out in the second half against Miami. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, I understand the defense is young, but it doesn't even look, it doesn't even look like we have 11 guys on the field. Like, our defensive players aren't even in the right position. So I'm not even worried about Young. And I'm not saying you fire Bud Foster. What I'm worried about is these guys aren't even good. I mean, they're Young. I, 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 how often is Bud Foster rolling that many freshmen out on the field at one time? I know he, he has one or two but at what a time I'm saying is commonly. Not- but when you have seven of them out there, like – not all seven are that good. Like we're, we've never gotten enough cr- recruits to have them seven freshmen starting. And now they are. So like, it's not, it, it, I don't, I think you can start to excuse it. And I think, again, I think Bud Foster has earned that. 
I'm not saying you fire Bud Foster. I'm saying you're four and six. You're 10 games into the season. Most of these freshmen have played most of the season, and in game 10, they still don't know where they're going to be. I'm sorry. I don't think they're going to get it. I think you have non-D1 players on your roster. I think that's a bigger issue. And that's not Bud Foster's fault. That's recruiting. But that's something, like, that's, okay, sure. Who's we recruiting? better players. But every offseason, we're recruiting, trying to get better players to commit in February. So, like, I don't think that's... Well, they're not coming. You're not going to a bowl game for the first time in 25 years. They're not coming. Players are leaving your program. I mean, UVA has gotten players for the last 20 years, and they're terrible. They UVA always gets good players all the time, and they've been terrible. So don't tell me we can't get good players just because we're going to miss a bowl game. I That's disagree. I think they have That's one good player a no, year on I, their team. I, I don't think they have a good team. When has UVA I, had a top 10 defense? Never in the history of their program. They've never been pulling in good recruits on a consistent basis. Maybe one or two a year. That's it. UVA? UVA pulls in good recruits all the time. They used to kick our butt in state with four four-star recruits. Every that was year. that was about the only thing Mike London could do, right? <laughs> yeah, Al Groh was pulling them in, and then he put them to the NFL, and yeah, then they'd be, good, be good. They just couldn't put one it together and win college football games. One offensive lineman a year. I mean, we're not even we're we're talking apples and oranges right now. I'm saying we we can't recruit football players. Period. Forget four or five star recruits. We're not we're not getting people worthy of D one status. Judging no, by what I'm seeing on the defense, three star players they're not getting developed like they were. That's a big factor. Well, strongly believe that. Okay, again, we're we're taking a nosedive in the Fuente era. I'm just, and when we lose by 21 to UVA this week, it's the groans are going to get louder. You've I, lost. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Four games in a row, and that we're going to lose to UVA. I'm you've not lost four games in a row in Lane Stadium <laughs> for the first time in program history. We're going to lose. Yeah, we're going to, and we're going to lose five in a row. I mean, we're going to lose. I I understand <laughs> that. I'm not arguing that. We're not going to play Marshall in two weeks because it won't matter. Yeah, that that was just silly to even let that announcement be known. Oh, it was so that, ridiculous. That game's not happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If but, we beat Miami, that that game that's more relevant because it's like okay, then we'll u- lose to UVA and we'll still need that game. But no, we lost to Miami, so it's it's pointless. Do we need to see Ryan Willis in the UVA game? I don't want to burn Quincy's red shirt. If yeah, we've I, not played I, I, it this I, much already, I don't want to burn it. Let's put Hooker in there. That's fine. Is it going to make you feel better when Quincy Patterson announces he's playing somewhere else at the end of the year? That's, that's his decision. He's an eighteen. He's a twenty-year-old kid. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like one of these message board guys and go crazy about the decision a twenty-year-old makes because Savoy transfers today. I'm not gonna go crazy. It's disappointing. I don't like it. And your point last week, where Quinte is good at getting rid of people, there's something to that. Sure. But I'm not going to slam a kid for it. So if oh, I'm not going to slam a fine. kid. I'm just saying burn. I would play Quincy Patterson if it means if if you telling him, hey, we're going to play you because we think you're the future of the program and that's what keeps him here. I would do that. Then burn red shirt and all logic. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I think if you don't play Quincy Patterson, you lose. There's a strong possibility you could lose him and Hendon Hooker. You're going to lose the idea of a new offensive coordinator coming in or someone like a QB coach or anybody involved. And that kind of freshens up the room and allows us to go into spring practice without Ryan as our leader or with even without uh, Jackson as our leader and let it just be a true quarterback competition. Because I'm afraid without some major changes, we're not going to get that. We're just going to get Jackson back at the helm. And I'm I'm for moving on. Well, at least we agree there. I don't want to see and Josh that's, Jackson. And that's where I've changed. I don't want to see Josh Jackson. I don't really want to see Ryan Willis next year. 
I don't think it's all his fault, but I just don't think he provides a spark. Yeah, I, 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 one last thing, I agree with you there, Leland. I think a change <laughs> is needed, and I, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. Moving on from both of those guys, uh, you know, I think you know next year uh, if if Quincy, if it's his time, I think you know coming in there with Quincy as a freshman, then uh, you know, like you said, a new quarterback coach or a new offensive coordinator, I think that could be you know a step in the right direction, just to kind of you know provide a little bit of a refresher. Um, for the whole fan base. I will say back to the Marshall game ad, we need to have that set up. I, it, I agree, Cody, with what you said. I like how you said it is that it was bad to let that out. If you can have a bowl game, you got to do whatever it takes to have it. Even if you are embarrassed to uh, the process that's happening, those extra weeks of practice, the whole process of the bowl game is just beneficial to a team. And we've, we've benefited from that for 25 years. So uh, I'm not mad that they're trying to do it and, and it's embarrassing, but you've got to do what you got to do. It's just sucks. That the news came out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's, it's not a good look. It's an embarrassing no. look. Um, but yeah, they, they absolutely had to do it. Uh, you're right. Um, they just shouldn't have let it leak out, but um, the PR department at Tech has not been exactly great here recently with when they have <laughs> they have not. And also, I think we did like a home and home or a two for one with Marshall. We need to get out of some of the East Carolina games. I'm not mad East Carolina had to cancel the game. It was a hurricane. I'm mad that they were so quick to reschedule with a different team for this December 1st. That's why mm-hmm. I think we should drill them and get get them off our future schedule. Some, not all, but some. Well, I'm sorry. Home and homes are what you get now. This team is not a top team in the ACC anymore. I'm not arguing. You don't get to tell people. Let's go over there. It'll be a big game. It'll be a sellout. Hey, at least we'll sell out somebody's stadium when we go to Marshall. (laughs) Yeah, and we can lose there. Losing there is just as effective as losing at home. It's true. We're just going to lose forever. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, I don't know. Yeah, this this news being leaked doesn't matter because we're losing this UVA game by 21 points. It's going to be embarrassing. Yeah, I, I'm not arguing. We're going to lose to UVA. I, I would hope it's, it's not be as embarrassing as that, but I, I'm, I, we're going to lose, and that's embarrassing enough. One point. I will say this: I, I don't have any confidence in this game either. But if somehow the the best Virginia team in 15 years loses to the worst Virginia Tech team in 25 years, that is going to be, you know, that, that's that's going to be pretty much all you ever need to say about and this, the state oh, of the no, football. They will the never. The sad thing is, we said the same thing four years ago when it happened, right. when we were terrible. <laughs> we zero zeroed with Wake Forest, and we still beat UVA. Here it is, even worse. Yeah, if yeah. The, if UVA doesn't win this year, they will never beat Virginia Tech in my lifetime. I think a funny thing that I thought of today. I hope it's funny. Uh, that's how you tell a good comedian is when they tell you it's funny before they say it. <laughs> the the difference between Tech and UVA is. It doesn't take someone else to tell to remind a tech fan that their football team sucks when they start talking about how good their basketball team is. At UVA, you, you, we have to remind them, hey, yeah, but your football sucks. At tech, it's like, <laughs> hey, our basketball won, but man, our football team sucks. Like, we just take care of it ourselves. <laughs> right, right. Well, but the basketball team is looking good right now. That, that is, was a, that's a, that was a big win last night. Waiting for Joe to have a problem with that. No, it was what a big win last night. I loved it. It, <laughs> it proved to me, like, Virginia Tech, okay, I'm like, okay, this is a real team. This is a legit team. And, I, and without Clark, and we were saying how 15 was too high, and, and without him, should they be ranked that high? I mean, they're locked in, and if they can add um, uh, that, I'm just forgetting the young recruit that's being held out for no good reason. Yeah, if we can get him added in, I mean, we, we're we going to stay up there, I think. I mean, yeah. we're not going undefeated by any means. We're going to have some tough games in oh. January, but yeah, I think dude. we can stay in the top 15 for, for most of the season with how we looked the other night. 
Yeah, that's the, that was the, that win last night was the type of win that Virginia Tech basketball typically does not win, early, mm-hmm. especially early in the season. Um, especially so, yeah. coming back and winning it like we did. I mean, we were down and we came back. It was nice. Oh yeah, it, it was it was promising. I, I, they're a fun team to watch, and I, you know, I think we're finally starting to see what Buzz Williams kind of had in mind when he came there. I mean, he's been. I mean, he's been great. Honestly, if you look at what he's been doing, I mean, he does more with less than anybody, any coach that we've had going on. I know I was already talking up what we used to do with three-star recruits, but every year we we're just missing that one piece, and we don't have big men. And then somebody gets hurt, and we still have been, you know, getting better and better every year. It's been nice. Absolutely. Yeah, love Buzz. Um. Well. Cody, it was great talking to you. I think that's all that uh, we had for. Thanks for coming on with us, and we look forward to having you again. Uh, remind our listeners on uh, how to how to uh, read what you're writing. Uh, you can read my articles at dnronline.com. I'm on Twitter at uh, at Cody underscore DNR Sports. All right, thanks, Cody. We will talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, we are back here on the Yak Sports Podcast with the B-Block. And Leland, we have to open up the B-Block by making a little bit of a error or admitting to an error. We said at the end of uh, a segment <laughs> yeah. last week that the volleyball season would be over by the next time we record. Mother Nature said, oh, no, it won't. So the Volleyball yeah. State Championship has been moved to Tuesday night, which is probably going to be still being played when this podcast episode gets uploaded. Yep. Uh, if you're, if you're listening to this, you already know what happened. <laughs> yeah, so you'll know what happened. Uh, but this game is happening Tuesday against Northside, or at Northside like against Patrick Henry. What I like the best about it is that now I get to go. We're, we're going to go down. So uh, if you're listening to this, I'm uh, immediately after it comes on, uh, comes out, uh, I'm on the road right now. So uh, make sure you're signaling in front of me. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we both thought we'd probably continue to have power between uh each podcast posting and both of also you and true. I had some long periods of no power. <laughs> also true. So let's move on to volleyball here. I'm excited about the state championship just like I was last week. And now it's uh, coming right up and it's going to be fun. It's the only game in town. All the other volleyball championships have gotten out of the way. I love that it's two teams that uh, haven't won the state championship. So they're both going for their first. It's not one of these big dominant programs that Riverheads is facing. Very good team, a team that might be able to beat them. That's fine. Uh, But, you know, last time they went to the state championship in volleyball, went down and watched that and they were playing a powerhouse. And uh, I, I think it was Gate City. And I mean, they, just as soon as they were warming up, it was like, uh oh, because every one of them was <laughs> it was a bunch of Amazons out there. I mean, they were just slamming it and uh, they were very good. Uh, and they I think they swept Riverheads in that state championship. So I'm hopeful that this one at least gives Riverheads a good shot to win it. Um, and uh, if they if win or lose, it's a great season. Uh, really happy for Nessa Stapleton uh, coming in, uh, I guess, it's her second year, but still a young coach. I I just watched her play a couple of years ago on this Riverheads volleyball team. I, she might have been on that team that went that other year. Um, I'm not sure. I should know that. Uh, but still, she's a young coach and getting the team this deep. Um, you know, you don't do that without some good coaching. So I'm really happy for her. And I think a uh, good start to her coaching career as young as it is. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, again, we kind of touched on this last week previewing it. So I, I don't have too much more to say other than. I think Riverheads has a great chance. Uh, you know, neither school has a state championship in their program's history. So like you said, it's not like you're running into a juggernaut who's been there and has experience being at this 
point in the season a lot. So I think from a standpoint of both teams having to deal with the pressure and maybe the bright lights of a state championship, although the state championship goes from kind of a bigger, Salem. bigger venue yeah. at Salem to Northside, which is still a high school. So still, still a big gym. We called a yeah. basketball game in there on uh, WTUN a couple of years ago. Still a big gym. Uh, it's a big moment now though. It, yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. isn't the arena. It's not the deep seats. And I, I know what you're saying. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see who handles it. And uh, they've both been sitting around more than a week now. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that affects uh, the rust on both, both teams. Um, so it'll be interesting. Let's jump to more postseason success, and that's Virginia Tech soccer. We talked a lot about soccer last week, and uh, they won, they advance, but also JMU upsetting UNC at UNC and uh, picking up that big victory. Now JMU just gets to drive down 81 and play Tech in soccer on Sunday, and that's going to be a big-time game for everybody local, and uh, there it is in the Sweet 16 of the uh, soccer tournament. Let's go Dukes. Get a big win. Ride the soccer, <laughs> ride the soccer craze. Um, yeah, sport of the future. Uh, so it's great to see JMU doing well in it. Uh, <laughs> both both programs, their men and women's soccer teams, having great success this year. Uh, on a more serious note, so that's good. Uh, I hope JMU beats Tech. Um, you know, but if Tech wins, I'm not going to be devastated. I like Tech too. So uh, this is. Unlike football, when these two teams play, and I actively root against my alma mater because if my alma mater wins, it means that it's time to burn down the stadium in Blacksburg. Um, I, I hope that JMU wins this game, and then, uh, but if they don't, I'm okay. Uh, I, I just hope it's a close game, and whoever wins it, I hope they win the whole thing. I mean, it probably will be a close game because most soccer games are. Um, it also. Uh, close on the, the score though close on the score can be misleading in soccer you can you can tell who the better team is yeah, even that's, in a close that's game. fair enough it, it would be nice if both, it's a very competitive game up and down the field and both teams getting opportunities uh i'm really rooting for tech i want them coming in uh with a lot of uh confidence by the time kyle gets there but you know happy for jmu uh that they've had a good season and I think it's time for Tech to move on. Uh, so hopefully that happens on Sunday, but we'll all be watching that Sunday, and it'll be fun to watch other stuff happening. Uh, let's jump back to NCAA basketball just for a minute. You know, the Hokies, we talked about how well they look. They won that Charleston tournament. A lot of good teams in past years have won that tournament, you know, on the way to really good season. So I think it's a good sign there. Uh, Tech now ranked 13th uh, on the season. So move up in the rankings with the big win. <laughs> Um, so a lot, a lot of good there. Yeah. You didn't respond to my text. And again, <laughs> Carden Johnson, really good basketball player, but man, you and I say some stuff to be nice, like that maybe, and also to sell a game. I, I'm, I know this is, might come as a shock to people, but sometimes we say things that we're not actually going to predict to happen, uh, because we want the game to be close and we want to say things in a positive light. We don't want to, and we will never run down a kid. We will never run yeah, down no, a kid. No. Um, yeah. So we're not going to be overtly negative. And I guess I'm, I'm not saying this guy needs to be negative about Cardin Johnson. He's a good basketball player. But before that game, I, I did you watch any of the pregame? Yeah, I had it on. Okay. Did you not hear the guy when he's like, this is my preseason player of the year? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess Duke's players, and I guess they're not playing basketball this year. 
they were very up on that guy, even when he was not the leading scorer in the ball game on his own team, where they, they were still talking him up. I mean, he's a good player. He's a good player, but when that guy said, oh, he's my preseason player of the year, I was like, oh, I immediately don't care any about anything else you have to say because you don't watch college basketball, apparently. I, just to go off your talk to explain myself a little bit, I have had years of analyzing announcers and and copying them and, and trying to learn from them, and, and I read media websites all the time. With three kids, I don't hear announcers. Even if the volume's up, I can't hear what they're saying. So you just, like, when you comment on the announcers, it's every third game that you say something where I actually mm-hmm. can hear them. So <laughs> well, I, I was wondering if you had it on mute then because you you didn't respond to it. And I was like, I didn't Man. mean to ignore you. I just never guessed, came back to it. And I think I did. We'd still talked after that. We I did. Guess never came we back talked about that, how good so. tech was playing. And again, to so get I back like to, to the talk point about. at that's, hand. That's, my, that's the reason I wanted to have a podcast was to talk about how great tech is. It's not worked out so well so far for football. I'm we're a basketball, basketball school now. Yeah, basketball. We're we UVA. Go. We're a basketball school now. No, we're still a football school. We always will be. And <laughs> no, it will still dominate. Nope, but, not, <laughs> not after but, next year. <laughs> but... No, we are still we, we're a decade away Not from trying when to change Fuente's something like done. that. UVA's had that decade of, of terribleness. That's yeah. why they're a basketball school now. Not when Fuente's done here. That's the won't. thing that gets on my nerves. When te- when UVA beats Tech this week in football, all's going to be forgotten that they're not a football school. It's going to act like they're so dominant and so good and every is just wait, just wait. Uh, other NCAA football, the big thing we've blown over all podcast is JMU. A uh, lot of drama. For JMU, they thought they were going to be a national seed and get the first rake by. They do not. No, and they shouldn't have not, been either. I, I was surprised that they were that confident about that. I mean, yeah. I know that it all goes around them beating Maine and but and all this conversation. I just I think you. I don't. I'm just surprised they had that high expectations. Everybody that's in front of them has less losses than them, and they have played a team like NC State or someone like you know a one A school. So. Just deal with where you got and go on your run. You're going to have to beat North Dakota at some point, and now you might have to beat them a game earlier than you wanted to. Fine. Deal with it. Yeah, you've you wanted the Fargo Dome before. You've wanted the Fargo Dome before. Uh, here's here's an unpopular opinion. I don't even think they're going to get to the Fargo Dome, so I wouldn't worry about it. Colgate's pretty tough. They've lost Colgate's, to worse teams than Colgate. Colgate's really good. Yeah, they've lost to, wor- to worse teams than that. So, yeah, you got to shut up and win. They, they did. They did play well against Towson. They got a win they needed. Uh, if they had lost that game, I would have been really, really worried. But they won. Good for them. Um, and now just play your best football. It's playoffs. You got one out. So uh, one thing that you didn't put on here that I do, and it's not local, so forgive me. Uh, UCF on the primetime lights looked fantastic. And Mackenzie Milton is the best quarterback in the draft. That kid drops the ball on a dime. I I absolutely love this kid. I, I could not believe the great passes he was throwing. Loved him. They are the real national champions, Alabama. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> that whole national that whole uh, <laughs> I loved imaginary it. national I loved it. Blows me away. And what really got me is when I was watching game day on Saturday morning. Uh, cause you know, late, late morning nap, I can hear things. Uh late I was watching game day on Saturday and they are saying the, the players wearing his national championship ring and, and they're saying, well, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, I look at it, it really motivates me. It makes me want to go out there and get a real one. And right there I'm done. 
Just take the take the banner down, take the no. letters off the stadium. As soon as your player that's wearing a national championship ring that was made up says, it really motivates me to go get a real one, then it's over. You no longer have that argument. You don't have a national championship. Shut up. Maybe you deserve a chance to. Maybe you don't. I, I lean towards the don't. But I lean towards the fine. It's fine. They're never going to they're never going to let them in the playoff. Why not? They're national champions. They didn't lose a game last year. They beat the team that beat Alabama. They destroyed the team that beat Alabama. Their chance for going this year is past. Like, I mean, that's just what it is. And I think it was a gift for game day to come down there, put them on 8 p.m., have game day there. That's their big moment for the season because the loser of or the winner, the (laughs) the loser, the winner of Michigan, Ohio State is in. They are in, and that's the fourth spot, and that's the spot that that they could only hope for. And they're still not even top ten. Maybe they get up in the top ten, they'll get a BCS. If Ohio State gets in, it's offensive. They're gonna if they win. It's Ohio State. It's offensive. It was offensive three years ago. UCF is better than Ohio State. UCF would mollywop Ohio State. It was they would destroy when Ohio them. State got in as a four seed a couple years ago, and then they won the damn thing. So it, it's they're going to get in. They're going to put Ohio they State They would put in. Urban Meyer into retirement. That'd be great. I wish it would happen, but it ain't going to. Maybe they play it well. No, they won't make a big game without it. But, you know, if UCF goes and wins another big bowl game this year, I, I think you just got to have them higher ranked next year. Pre-season. No, they, they won't. Leland, you're missing the point. They will never let that happen. We had, I had a very long conversation with some friends about this Saturday night. They, the power five conferences will never, yeah, the system is made for them. Let the them in. Made for them. They will never, ever let them in. This is not a true national championship. I don't think that, I just don't think they're as good. Honestly, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, they didn't keep my attention Saturday night. I was on there. I was watching it. And yeah, because they beat a team that was in the top 25 no, like a drum. They were losing 6 nothing, and I'm like, eh, this just doesn't seem uh, like big boy football. Wow, and then you went to bed, and you missed Mackenzie Milton dropping dimes all no, over the I field. Was turning to, I was turning to other crappy football. It wasn't Oklahoma, Oklahoma I was on, I think. Um, yeah, I Against turned to other Kansas? things. I turned to other things because it just didn't keep my attention. And maybe that's Cincinnati's fault. Maybe I'm punishing UCF in my statement because of Cincinnati, but it just it just seemed like old, like... You watch crappy. Virginia Tech every week. You can watch Cincinnati. Yeah, I couldn't take it anymore. I guess that was it. I couldn't... And Virginia Tech's far worse. I'm not trying to say that. I just... I just... I don't know. I guess I was looking for the big game, and with all the SEC teams playing their 1AA teams this week, I was missing that big time matchup this week. And I just, that I, 8 PM game didn't keep okay. it for me. Well, okay. And that's, that's the other problem I have, right? Everyone says, well, UCF should play better teams. These better teams won't play them. They don't want to play them because they oh, know no. they'll lose. They saw yep. what they did to Auburn. Yep. It's all about, you know, that no one wants to play a hard team. So I, I don't blame UCF for this. I think if UCF keeps winning, have another banner, put another banner up, make another oh, ring, have another parade. It's so stupid. It's not it's stupid, so stupid because when they do it, it embarrasses it, it makes a mockery of the national championship. Hey, Joe, are they better than Alabama? This year? No. We'll Last year, maybe. Down. Last year, maybe they were. No, they weren't. Okay, they destroyed Auburn. Auburn beat Alabama. Uh, Auburn didn't give two craps about that bowl game. It happens all the time. Alabama did that once in a Sugar Bowl. They didn't make the big game, so they just laid an egg in the bowl game. It happens. It happens. Whether they it should or shouldn't, and yeah. whether a good coach would do that or not, it was Nick Saban that did it. And I hate Nick Saban, but he's a good football coach. It happens. I'm just saying, let him play. Auburn didn't get the game they wanted, and let so they play. played an egg. Let him, let him play. Prove it. 
they'll let them play as if you let, I'd hope, eight teams in, but maybe not even that gets them in. All right, let's move on. NFL, Steelers are kind of rolling right now. They played terrible Lucky for as three and a half quarters game. and still came in and won it. So it's the kind of luck that good teams have. So I'm hopefully they're good. I railed against them after week three. Thought they were terrible. They're playing a lot better now. And offensively, they're doing a lot of good things. And defensively, they're stopping teams. So I'm, I'm happy about them. They're going to win that division. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do against Kansas City or something, but it, I start to feel better about them playing the Patriots. <laughs> uh, did the Patriots lose this week? They lost last week badly to Tennessee. That's, I guess that's what I'm more going off on. Okay. So in another Bill Belichick charity game to keep one of his former disciples to keep another, having a job. Another, he usually cameras his old assistants. Not this year. He handed out a charity game to Matt Patricia, and he handed out one to Mike Vrabel. Whatever. Two coaches I, who at the moment needed it desperately. Well, maybe the odd switch can't get flipped on if they play the Steelers. That'd be nice. How about your Ravens? How'd they do? The Ravens looked okay. They won. Uh, my first reaction, Lamar Jack, it was the Lamar Jackson game uh, because Joe Flacco was hurt. If Didn't I was they run Joe him Flacco, like 20 times? Yeah, if I was Joe Flacco, I would not be worried about losing my job. Because he's going to get hurt. He's going to RG3 My it first here. reaction, that's my first reaction. When I saw that he ran the ball 24 times, I think it was, or 27 times, somewhere like something like that in the game. My first reaction was, there is no way he could do this for a 16-game season. He only he threw the ball for, I think, 150 yards. That is not success in the NFL. Uh, you were playing the Bengals, who also aren't very good. So you got to win, which, cool beans. If we are relying on that next season we're going to have a very bad season. Yeah, I, I'm all for you guys doing that. Uh, let's move on to the uh, Redskins. And the only thing I want to say about it, it was a disgusting injury to uh, Alex Smith. The weirdness of it happening on the anniversary of Theismann and the final score being the same, just really weird. Now, he this is probably not a career ender for him like it was Theismann because mm. medicine is better. Um, but at least he'll have a chance that Theismann did. I don't know. It might be. He's not young. I mean, it could be. I He's just, not, it's not young. automatic. He's not a superstar. It's not automatic like it was when Theismann. Like, Theismann's yeah. Done. Like, he's going to have a chance. He's going to have a chance to come back. So, um, I'd, they brought in Sanchez, butt fumble, which we'll that's get back fine, to here in a minute. You need a backup quarterback. That's fine. I would ride with Colt McCoy. I saw you have a little conversation on this topic. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to jump super deep into it, but you were talking the Kaepernick thing on, on Facebook. I would ride Colt McCoy. That that locker room is fragile. I would not bring in a divisive figure like Colin Kaepernick. And I don't – it has it has everything to do with, one, the second you bring him in, half the stadium is chanting for Colin Kaepernick. So any mistake that your quarterback makes, you have to put him in at that point. And then after you do that, if Colin Kaepernick looks like Colin Kaepernick did before the 49ers cut him, which, spoiler alert, wasn't very good. People don't remember that. He wasn't very good. He was going to get benched before the whole kneeling thing to Blaine Gabbert. Where is Blaine Gabbert? I actually know the answer to this because I saw him last Sunday because he also got in. Oh, I thought he I thought he played Marcus, for Robert Morris in your front yard or something. Marcus, Mor- uh, Marcus Mariota got hurt, so he's the backup in Tennessee now, fun fact, which no one knew. Yeah. So except for Tennessee fans, maybe. But so it's not like Colin Kaepernick was lighting it up the last time he was a starter in the league. So when if he comes in and does that, then you've shot the confidence of Colt McCoy because you basically said we have zero confidence in you. And then you have a bad quarterback. 
Colt McCoy should have won that game had it not been for he a, did enough. He did enough to if win. If it hadn't been for a terrible defensive holding penalty, they would have won that game. That was an awful call by the officials uh, on Josh Norman, in well, my opinion. And I'm not a Redskins fan. Norman puts himself on an island, and those some seem to happen to DBs all the time. They get bad calls against them when they put themselves out there like that. Revis used to get them all the time, too. All right, let's go to the D block uh, after this. All right, we're back on the Yak Sports Podcast in the D Block, and we're going to talk about some Thanksgiving stuff here in the D Block. Let's start, though, with some football memories uh, from Thanksgiving. There's, I went through some lists today, and there's some interesting ones. Uh, the ones that stick out to me, uh, this is probably one of the earliest Thanksgiving games I remember watching. I'm sure it was on around me before that, but honestly, I probably wasn't into football until like 92, 93. But 93, that Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas where it was snowing, they had that hole in the middle of the roof and they were playing the dolphins. It's just, that's probably the most like memorable image of early football for me. It was later than that. It was 95. It was a year. Oh, that, it, was, it was a it, year. It the was, Dallas Cowboys won the super bowl. It was 93, but that's fine. I mean, it was 93. I looked it up today. Um, but it was 93. Oh, the super bowl was up. played in 94. You're right. I'm sorry. It was the 93 season. The super bowl was played in 94 that year. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. But either way, Leon Lett, uh, they, I mean, Dallas should have won. They, the kick was short, and Leon Lett got close to the ball and tried to fall on it for no good reason and advanced the ball, and then Miami got it on the two and got the win. Uh, so just uh, people usually don't remember how that who won that game. They just remember the snow and Leon Lett falling all over himself trying to get a ball that he should have never been near. Yeah, what other I, I remember that. Um, I loved the Jerome Bettis, uh, <laughs> coin toss. I thought that was great. I thought that was hilarious. Um, he's my boy, but he messed that thing. I mean, it was his fault that that's a problem. He I thought that things. was funny. He did. Well, he didn't say two <laughs> things. He said tails, but, um, Cordell Lake was also out there and he called heads and the official heard him over Jerome Bettis. So that was the problem. Uh, you had, they didn't communicate which Cordell one was Stewart? making the call. No, Lake. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. I had to jump back. Of that, I know I'm right. Because, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's a Thanksgiving memory. Um, I, I remember, I don't know, I watch as much college football, I feel like, on Thanksgiving as I do the pros. And not as much recently because college football doesn't want to go up head-to-head -head with they the NFL anymore. On Thursday, yeah. Because the NFL now has a third game which is usually an absolute stinker, and I think they should throw out. I don't think they need a third oh, game. I, I, we, look at, we look at that differently. No, I love the third game because no. before the third game, I was like, get Detroit and Dallas off of this every, nope. every year. Totally I disagree. That to start flowing, start having, you know, start doing where if you win on Thanksgiving, then you get to host the next year or some version like that. But then they added that third game, and I actually like it because that's usually – the only game I get to watch a lot of the day games I'm watching here a little bit here, and a little bit there. When I was younger, I watched more when Dallas was playing the dolphins, but anymore I'm moving around doing different things, going to different houses. So uh, the year, a couple of years ago in the game where I thought someone was going to be killed when the Steelers played the Ravens in that night game, I just got to sit down and relax. I think my wife went out for some Friday or from late night shopping. And I just got to watch a football game. I actually like the night game. I don't, like the night game. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's anti-player safety. 
Uh, and I like that it's always the Dallas Cowboys, the Detroit the Lions. It's well, I agree with you. Most Thursday, I think Thanksgiving is the only Thursday game that should be played, and it should be the Detroit Lions. But here's what I would change: I would have the Detroit Lions playing a divisional team. I don't like when the Detroit Lions or the Dallas yeah. Cowboys play some rando goofball team. Uh, Cowboys Redskins would be my Thanksgiving game every year, and then I would have the Lions play. I don't know Cowboys anyone. versus Alien or uh, Cowboys is Cowboys versus Indians every year on Thanksgiving is what you want. I, I well, <laughs> but it's a it's the premier rivalry in the NFL. I think it makes sense to feature that on Thanksgiving when you know everyone is going to be watching it. But then, but that's why I like the night game because they got the Steelers and the Ravens when that, that's a good rivalry. And it was at its hottest when they had who's that. Playing they got it, the Niners. Who's and the playing Seahawks in it this in. year? I think this year's probably a stinker, but mm. a lot of years they get it right. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to schedule a primetime game. That's why they have the flex on Sunday nights because they have to get it right. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, let's, remind our listeners that the JMU band is going to be at the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. So watch for that. That's cool representation of a local school. You don't seem to care. I care zero about the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. That's a lot of eyeballs. It's cool to have your school's logo going across it. I guess you could stick with that. What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Turkey. Just the turkey in general. Just the turkey. Yeah, I'm not big on a lot of the other stuff. Um, Thanksgiving's about the sides. That's that's just a known fact. False. The turkey. The turkey is the high. The is the front. The face man. But the side dishes are where it's at. No, you're wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm right. You're wrong. You're wrong. But, okay. Look how skinny you are. Look how big I am. I'm right about this. I'm right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's dominating our Thanksgiving? I will go first. Uh, what's dominates my Thanksgiving every year. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And I, you've already disagreed with me when we're riding in the car the other day. It's my favorite holiday because I have a really good Thanksgiving plan. I get good family time. You get multiple days off work. You get a long weekend for sure. Like honestly, I get five day weekend on Thanksgiving weekend at Christmas. If it's a Wednesday Christmas, I'm only getting two, maybe three. It's not as much time. So I like Thanksgiving more because it's set every year. It's always on Thursday. It's easy for me to plan. You get the family time, the coming together, everything of that without all the stress of buying presents and giving gifts and all that. And the kids getting all wound up because of sugar and presents and all that. So I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite. And it's because I have a nice Thanksgiving plan. What's dominating my Thanksgiving, We I always love, for years now, uh, we always played like a touch football game in the afternoon. Always been a highlight. It's morphed into a basketball game once we got a lot more kids going on and uh, access to a gym. But I always like, you know, getting out there and uh, playing with the with the kids. And when I used to be a kid, it was fun to play with the older cousins and uncles. So that's, that's my Thanksgiving. What's dominating it? What's dominating your Thanksgiving? What's a big plan? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you. The Sheeler clan that I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving with, we are entering a new phase of Thanksgivings where it's going to start to rotate for the first time ever. We used to do it at our grandmother's. Uh, we're not doing that anymore. And, uh, so it's, we're rotating where we have it. It's kind of a new thing. I'm not really sure, you know, what new traditions will happen if we'll keep the old ones or not. Um, but we usually, you know, just get together and have family time. Uh, we we play cribbage, uh, which is a card game, if you're not familiar. Um, but we also just sit around and enjoy each other's company. We watch football. 
Uh, well, I mean, we're going to, my one uncle's a Lions fan. Brad, my brother, is a Cowboys fan. My aunt is a Cowboys fan. So both yeah, teams fun. are represented. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be watching and it'll be fun and we'll have a good time. And I, I, I agree with you. Thanksgiving's great for friends and family uh, to get together, but I, I'm used to that in Christmas too. So Christmas takes, I, mean, Christmas I get takes, that at Christmas too. I just don't like all the additional stress at Christmas, but I like Christmas. I'm not it's stressed great. about Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. Uh, I don't, ha- right. I don't worry about trees, but we'll get to that during the Christmas episode. <laughs> what I know that you need to know about Thanksgiving. I love the entertainment for Thanksgiving because Christmas is so easy to find. You know, it, it, there's so many programs, Christmas and good Christmas movies, ones that I loved. We'll talk about them later, but I love the episodes of friends. The Thanksgiving episodes always seem to be strong episodes. Uh, so I always like to go back and try to watch at least one or two of those. Sometimes more of those old friends episodes where there there's one where they're out there playing football and stuff. So it's, uh, some good episodes of friends and then also planes, trains and automobiles. It's like the only movie I can remember. That's a Thanksgiving movie. It's all centered around Steve Martin trying to get home on the day before Thanksgiving and then during Thanksgiving and John Candy just keeps getting in his way. It's hilarious movie. Uh, some great lines out of there. Uh, some great lines that aren't, uh, don't have words that we can use on our podcast or in that movie, but I love watching that every year. Uh, definitely one of the highlights. What do you know about Thanksgiving that I need to know? Uh, well, the <laughs> apparently or responses to mine. <laughs> uh, I I don't have any responses to yours. Those are your traditions. That's what you love about it. That's awesome. Uh, more power to you. It's not how I would. I I'm not a big Friends fan, so I can't relate to you on that. Um, but uh, uh, I did see on HistoryChannel.com, uh, History.com, uh, that there are some researchers in Florida saying that Florida had the first Thanksgiving, uh, decades before Plymouth Rock, which I thought was interesting um that's still up they're still debating that so it's not a you know slam dunk fact uh but i i found that kind of interesting well i'm pretty sure my kid today learned at school how the whole story of you know the pilgrims inviting the indians to the meal and all that uh horse business that they like to tell the kids so uh it's actually been interesting on that note you know you're talking about different (laughs) different than what we've learned history and florida might add the first thanksgiving Probably so. Probably anything but what we were taught when we were kids is what's accurate. Um, yeah, it, we're dressing our kid up like a pilgrim tomorrow, so that's that's what's up. That's, that's where fine. I'm at. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know what? It, if you're listening, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family. Uh, Leland, you got anything else that people need to know before we start to wrap this thing up? High school football, this is where it's its best. I know we only got one local team uh, still in it. I know we're still probably all watching what East Rock's going to do. Uh, but uh, this is the best time of year for high school football. I looked at the win-loss records of most of these teams, and like in all six divisions, there's only like three teams out of all those that have like more than three losses. So just a lot of good teams left playing. So it's just real fun. So even read across the state what's going on. I know you and I do that and we talk about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, listeners out there, you know, look up some of these other teams that have won three state championships in a row and and see what they're doing this week. They might get beat on Friday or Saturday. So tune into it. It's it's interesting. We'll be talking about an ESPN twelve forty because when you only have one local team, you gotta fill gotta fill air. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're gonna have a uh, uh, tight one this week, <laughs> but yeah, no kidding. But, uh, again, have fun with your families on Thanksgiving. 
wherever you're traveling or if you're staying at home and it's just you and you're sitting there watching TV, watching football. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, have a good time. We thank you for listening. Be sure to like and share us on Facebook, Yak Sports Podcast, on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Yak Sports Pod at gmail.com is how you can reach us by email uh, or you can comment on the Facebook and Twitter. That's probably the easier way to get in touch with us. Leland? And I'll just say for people that text me and start talking trash to Joe through my text, just put it on Twitter. He can handle it. He's a big boy. He, he, he yeah, might fire I, back at you. I disagree with Leland almost <laughs> everything. That's the one yes. thing. Doing this podcast has realized I used to think Leland and I agreed on almost everything. I now I realize we, we agree. <laughs> we now agree on nothing. Um, finding out he's I'm, a big fan that, of friends <laughs> is really a big blow to our friendship. I would just let you in on that tonight folks i just I, I do appreciate when your friend gets on speakerphone the other night when we're riding back from the game and like me and him are making fun of you and how negative you are i, I love that you're consistent he wanted to come <laughs> on this week and i didn't i didn't allow that to happen leland you because just didn't want to be teamed up on yeah no he would agree with me we would team up on you and i would feel it would make me feel bad for you he is also on the fuente must go bandwagon ah. so we hope you enjoyed this episode of Yak Sports Podcast. Until next week, for Leela McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.